This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> First of all, put your voice hello. in a lower octave. <laughs> we uh, hello, hello. Maybe let's meet in between. Hi. That's pretty good. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm good. Let's begin. Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip and Advice Podcast. It's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. I'm your host, Megan Batune, with a stomach ache. And today, returning to the studio, Headgum's very own Marty Michael in oh. the flesh. Hi. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> Why are you already smiling? Because it's fun. Cool. Last time we had you here, we talked about horror movies and Postmates, but this time we're going to talk about entrepreneurship and being a business boy. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but before we get into that, usually we do Burst of First, which is a game to get to know the guest. I don't think we did this last time you're here because you were one of the earlier guests, but anyway, we're going to do the reverse version for our return guests called Flash of Lasts. It's still rapid fire, but instead of your first job and your first public cry, it's going to be your last jab. Your last jab. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you box at all? No. I did play basketball last night. I think Amir punched me. What? Amir punched you? No, absolutely not. Maybe in the ribs by accident. Sure. I'm very sore. <laughs> Sounds bad. Yeah, it wasn't only his fault. Uh, but instead of your first job... In your first public cry, it's going to be your last job and the last time you wept in front of strangers. Usually, I can stop and ask you to explain or elaborate or tell the full story. But in this case, I, I cannot stop at all, even if I want to know more. So I'm telling you about my last job now? <laughs> you just wait. Okay. It'll start in a couple seconds. Okay. And it's rapid fire. I see. And you'll answer all the questions I ask. I'm ready. Okay, I don't know if you are. No, I'm sure. I'm not sure that you are. <laughs> All right. I feel like you have to start it. Okay, you, that is true. I do have to start it. Here we go. What was your last job before this? Uh, I was doing ad sales at College Humor. Last cell phone? iPhone. Which one? The one I have right now? Yeah. Uh, the 11... Pro. Wow, brag. Last pet peeve you'd have. Oh my god. The last thing that would bother you. Um, 
chewing with your mouth open. That doesn't bother you? Can't. No, sorry. Oh. I misunderstood the question. <laughs> okay. The last thing that I wouldn't bother me? Yeah. <laughs> Just ran out of time already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that starts over. Thank God. <laughs> the last thing that would bother you. It's rapid fire, Barty. I know. Uh, well, I don't understand the question. <laughs> well, what's, in it, what's yours? The last thing that would bother me, um, someone holding the door open for me. I That's guess a pet peeve well, someone guess, would have? Well, okay, so last pet peeve? What are normal pet peeves? Chewing with your mouth, mouth open. open. <laughs> Not holding the door for strangers. Walking in front of oh, a car. Oh, oh, um, I, I, I think a lot of driving things don't really bother me. Okay, cool. Like not using a blinker. Yeah, sure. Cool. Last kiss location. My apartment. <laughs> Last major purchase. Mm, my car. Last choice in a karaoke book. Last as in least favorite? Mm-hmm. Anything country. Last internet screen name, unless it's yours now. Run it fast. Cool. <laughs> cool. I am cool. <laughs> Last thing you think when someone doesn't answer the phone. They're ignoring me. That's the last thing you think? Oh, and first. That's everything, <laughs> I think. <laughs> last celebrity crush. Avril Lavigne. Last. Uh, oh, God, these are all last? These are like not things that I actually, I'm thinking the opposite. So You're I, thinking first. Yeah. So last. Well, that's not what I want. But like, I'm thinking last as in like my most recent, like the last thing that happened to me. No, that's true. Okay. So Avril Lavigne? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I haven't really done celebrity crushes in a while. Sure. Last concert. Might have been Chance. <gasps> last scar. Basketball. Last thing you do when you like someone. Tell them. <gasps> yeah. Last show you binge watched. You. Can't wait to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Last excuse you make when trying to cancel plans. Uh, busy. That's the last one? Yeah, because I want to create something more concrete. Sure. Yeah. And lastly, the last time you cried in public. Uh, watching a movie on an airplane. <gasps> what movie was it? Can't know. It can't, honestly, any movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so dehydrating up there. Uh, yeah, I just feel very vulnerable. <laughs> Aww. I love... Fucking balling out. Oh, balling out and balling are two very different things. Wait, oh, balling like as in B A W. Yeah. 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 Balling, crying, and balling, you know, flossing if are I'm, different. If I'm on a flight over four hours, I'm crying because I'm watching more than one movie and I cry on probably 75% of movies I watch on an airplane. So good. I think it's a combination of two things. First, vulnerability in the air. Anything can happen, whatever you're watching. Nobody, it doesn't really matter to you. The second thing, though, is I think we watch movies that we wouldn't normally watch. <gasps> On purpose. Yeah. To so, cry. Well, or like, I think me personally, I'm watching movies, like uh, movies that I go seek out in the theaters are more like action-related movies and big blockbusters. And then the things I watch on the plane are more of like the indie sad films. Right. So I, I feel like I, I'm just setting myself up for crying most of the time by For my sadness. movie choice yeah i saw me before you on a flight once bad mm. idea <laughs> full bad idea <laughs> great movie bad idea okay this is the part where i go to instagram and i asked people 
if they had any questions about entrepreneurship and business-minded questions. I have not looked at any of these questions. Great. So I don't know how they're going to be, but are you ready to help me answer them? Always. I actually haven't seen them either, so. This is also true. Okay. Fun question. Yay. From Olivia Rendora, what's your advice on choosing who or who not to go into business with? Oh, my goodness. That's a good question. It's a really good question. Right off the bat. Do we need to provide any background as to, like, what I do and how this started? Sure. (laughs) Would that be helpful for people since this is about entrepreneurship? (laughs) Sure, yes. Because to give context as to why I'm making these decisions? Yeah, let's go there. Cool. Tell us about you. I'm Marty. (laughs) My last, as you might have heard, job was doing ad sales at College Humor. And that's actually how this headgun business and podcasting all got started. Uh, when I was working there, I was doing a lot of ad sales, doing a lot of branded content sales. I met Jake and Amir while working there, who are the other two original co-founders. And we had been doing a lot of work together on the branded content side, basically me selling some sort of branded video to say Coca-Cola and Jake and Amir being the celebrity spokespeople and then putting that video up on College Humor and distributing it to all of the College Humor fans. So that was the business model that we had uh, through that process. We were working together a lot on a very like one-on-one basis, and we became close friends. Um, they had a podcast at the time outside of College Humor called If I Were You, which is wound up being the flagship show for HeadGum. Um, once I found out about it, I asked if I could get more involved in the sales process for that, like helping them out on that front. Uh, that led to other conversations and the fact that we should start a podcast network, mm-hmm. and that's how HeadGum was born. Oh. What a nice so, origin story. Uh, to answer now Olivia's question, um, I think for me it was a no-brainer in the sense that we were already friends, so it, it became an easier topic to broach. But then also we all brought different things to the table in forming the alliance to start HeadGum, my side being the business side and theirs being the creative Um and also their network of comedian friends who could potentially start shows. So it was a nice fusion of different backgrounds that helped us um, basically hit the ground running, not having to bring in anybody else to start what what our vision originally uh, started as. Right. Like everyone has their own superpower that together, it's like the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, Yeah. Sugar Spice, a little Mm -hmm. bit nice, except for here it's comedy and sales. Which one am I? (laughs) Um, Everything nice. Oh, cool. That's nice. Cool. Yeah. I meant spice. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> You're the poison. <laughs> oh, right. That sounds more like me. I have a, a thing to say about, I think, being in business with people that you already know, though. Because what if something goes wrong? Like when people start becoming roommates with people, with their friends, and you start to see sides of them where you're like, is this going to ruin our friendship? How do you make sure to set boundaries that you keep business business and not personal? Because I, I feel like so, a lot of my business, so far, uh, I've, I've bled those lines, and it's been really difficult for me. Uh, it is the largest challenge, I think, yeah. is being in business with friends is uh, retaining friendship with those people. I think it's really important that you separate the two. Like your friendship with them is different than what your business relationship is because at the end of the day, you uh, there are you're just going to have challenges in your business that don't need to bleed over into your friendship. Like that's it's inevitable that that stuff happens. So it's important yeah. to 
recognize and differentiate the two. But how? Uh, well, I, if you're lucky enough to have an office, I think it's important to know that when you're in the office place, you're working on the business stuff. And when you're outside of the office, that that's when you're, you're, you're acting as friends. So yeah. anything that happens in the office should feel like you are in a comfortable place where you can broach business discussions and have hard business, uh, just, I guess, make harder business decisions, um, without there being penalty in the friend space outside of the office. Yeah, but that does seem really hard still. Oh, right. It's a it's a working theory. <laughs> I think, I mean, it is. It's, a, you, it's something that takes practice to perfect. Yeah. And even then, you're going to run it. Like, if you're friends first, it's hard to become, it's hard to see the business side of someone second sometimes. Right. I think if you don't have an office space, you could still have that divide even by, if with if it's a second phone or even using something like Slack and all of the work messages go on one thing. And so whenever you're not messaging on that one platform, then it's friendship time just to even figure out another way to, to create that divide even more. Yeah, I agree. That could help. Yeah. Slack has been a, a huge tool in helping, uh, keep things, um, separate for sure. Yeah. Okay. Next question. R.W. Duong said, what gave you the confidence to make that leap to start your business instead of dreaming it? Uh, it's funny. My mom always told me uh, that relationships are 100% about timing. And I think that she uh, it, that that saying applies to so much more than just relationships. Mm-hmm. And the business side of and the opportunity that came up was just perfect timing for me. I was It was right before I was about to turn 30. I had basically spent my time and what I felt comfortable with in being in New York City because I'd been there for eight years after college and it felt like I needed to start migrating my way back towards home, which for me is Oregon. So moving to California to start this business was all part of what was wrapped up in the decision-making process. And I felt very comfortable making that decision at that point, knowing that it was bringing me closer to a lot of my long-term goals. So uh, timing is really, really critical. And then the comfort came from knowing that I had kind of developed a career prior to this that I could go back to if I needed to. So So the fallback plan, just in case. Yeah, I think so. Uh, And then knowing that that career path also exists here in California too. It's not just New York. Um, So I think it's not, it's never a good thing to always have in the back of your mind that you can go do something else because I I think it's really important that if you make a decision to do this, you want to be 100% in, but it certainly helps in the question of how was I comfortable? I I mean, I think that's huge for comfort because there's so many people that say, create no back door or like close the back door and you can only go forward. And if you have no plan B, then there's only plan A. And so it has to work. But I feel like that's a lot of pressure. Like anything could happen like in the air and you could watch any movie. You don't know. And so I feel like having a backup plan is good. Yeah. Is that a bad business thing to say? Uh, I don't think it's a bad business thing to say. I think it's true. And I think that we are probably maybe more spoiled than other people in the sense that like we, or at least me, I can only speak for me, is just that I had that comfort and safety in making this decision. And I know that not everyone has that. So I think the timing part of it is it was great timing for me because I had made it to a place where I felt that. Um, Whereas maybe it takes a little more or less time for other people to get to that place. 
what if you're just starting a business and you don't have, or you want to start a business, but you don't have any resources and you don't have, I mean, I guess you, you might have a network, you might have friends and, and that could definitely help. But what if you just, you have no money, you have no connections in the network, like how that must be so scary. Right. And I, my, my core belief system around this is that you should find yourself in a place where you can develop those connections before you take that leap. Mm. Because what you will find is that it will be 10 times easier if you do. So what am I saying? I'm saying, I think it makes sense to, if you have an idea in a, in a, a business that you want to start is like try and find a more consistent job around tangentially related to that idea maybe so that you can start developing some of those connections. Totally. So that when you make the leap of faith to starting your own business, you're, you kind of have something in developed or already started. I think that's so smart. There was a question here that I lost, but it kind of deals with this. Uh, it said, should you start alone or with people? And I, at least for me, it's hard to start with people because when I started just making videos on YouTube, it's just by yourself. It's people in their living rooms with an iPhone. And it doesn't happen until years later when you have enough money to pay someone to either help assist with something or film something or edit something for you. And so what about starting a business ground up on your own? Like how do you have any insight on how to do it alone or what you can do if you're just one person before you find the right people? We, You and I talk about this all the time because you run a business that you run and then uh, I run a business that has multiple people that help start it. So we have very differentiating opinions, but also experiences within this. Um, and for me, it wound up being th that the opportunity existed because of the way that multiple people were coming together. I think if the opportunity exists that you run by yourself, that that is just a, it's just a different starting point than what I had available to me. Um, so the, what, repeat the question specifically, <laughs> see if I can answer it so that it helps. It's like, how is how do you do it alone? I guess it was that, but now that you mention it, it's, I remember someone saying, I think everyone has said this to their children, but if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Mm. And I think that's really true because even though I started alone, I I had so many breakdowns and I had so many burnouts because I couldn't let go of the control. I didn't want anyone to see my raw footage. So I was like, don't, I can't have an editor. I need to edit everything so that other people don't think I'm dumb or unfunny or something like that. And then in, in doing that, I ran myself into the ground. So in the end, I think you should never do it alone, even if you can and even if you want to. I think you should have help. Yeah, there's the idea of having many opinions in the room is better than just one. So the more people you can bring in to listen to what you have to say, even then providing their own uh, perspective is super helpful. Well, this is my question because I haven't read it yet, but now I just want to ask it. What about leadership? Like being a boss is pretty tough, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are you speaking from personal experience or are you asking me a question? feels more like you're venting. <laughs> no, I, 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 I just think it's tough when you're starting a business. You don't really understand that, that being a boss means leading in a way that is, I guess, outside of you. 
especially being a creative and a business person at the same time, it's wearing these two different hats and so different, especially with self-promotion when people create whatever it is, a dance piece, a music, a music song. I've never heard music before. This is really good. (laughs) (laughs) Like a musician or a painter, all these people, a a lot of actors, all my actor friends have so much difficulty promoting themselves because they're like, it's so shameless. It's, it's not art. And it's like, yeah, it, it isn't, but my manager, when I was much, much younger, yeah. I was like 23 maybe, and he was like, you you make this art, but if no one sees it, what is it good for? I mean, he said, you know, it's nicer yeah, yeah. than that, but you, in order to get your art out there that you worked in and put all of your heart into, you have to do the business side of promoting it, and the, you can't have one without the other. Right. So- Well, I think- what you what you were alluding to is this idea around like how, how do you how do you how do you be a boss how do you yes. how do you transition from working and starting your own business to bringing other people on board who you have that you're providing that are helping you with your i guess vision sure and i think a lot of being an entrepreneur is trial and error and being a boss, I think, is also trial and error, uh, especially when you don't have a background in that specifically. So the people who are going to be best at it are the people who can self-reflect and mm. understand when they make errors. And that's super important to be able to do as a leader. Um, there's no way that even the most experienced people in this world don't make mistakes. Like everyone's still trialing and erroring all the time. It's the people who are able to s- look into their errors and um, solve them, That those are like the most powerful leaders because they can grow and learn from those mistakes. Right. And taking failure as not failure, but feedback mm-hmm. and understanding how to course correct on, I mean, I've made that mistake too. I've, I've again, bled relationships into business and just learning from that and like going to the extremes of both and just trying to find what works for you. Obviously it's going to be different for everyone, but I do think so much of it is trial and error. And if when you error, to not have that be detrimentally holding you down, to not try again. Right. Uh, And scale is super important for this, right? So smaller businesses with less employees, it is really, really hard to navigate these conversations and friendships and business and keeping them separate. As you scale your business and and grow it, it becomes much easier because the infrastructure is there for... uh, I, I guess it, as you grow, it's just it's naturally occurring that you're not surrounded by the same people all the time. You're you're basically developing out roles and what everyone does, and um, allowing kind of, I guess your business becomes more concrete. Yeah, I think when bringing people on to the team, do you think it's more important for the skill or for their personality and energy? It's a great question. I think that they're both equally important, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for your question. But I, fortunately for us, I think that what, we, what we've really done a good job of here at HeadGum specifically is bring on people who have both and really do fit into what we're trying. They agree with the vision for what we're doing, the content that we're creating, but also they, they bring a specific skill set to the table where they're able to work really hard and accomplish everything that we need uh, for this business to grow. Yeah, I think I heard some somewhere in the entertainment industry, someone had said 
that people get jobs not on their talent, but if people want to spend 16 hours with them because like the days are so long on set or when you're finding a manager or a client, it's like, do you want to travel with them across the world when you're representing them? I think being a good person, it is really big in this business. Yeah. Imagine that being a good person is important. Yes. Hence why we have our president. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. He's an entrepreneur. Bring him in. Oh my God. Here's a good one. Joe's either Jose Lay or Joe Selly. Who knows? <laughs> it's very different, but. <laughs> she asks, how do you build a network or resources to help you? We've already talked about uh, friends. We've already talked about people that are in your vicinity professionally already. But what if you don't have anybody? You have, you have the internet. Everyone has the internet for the most part. So if you've got the internet, how do you build a network? I mean... Yeah, there are a lot of different ways to do this. And one of them is through the internet. Like if you don't have the physical network, as in like friends who you know or business coworkers that you know or business partners that you've had in the past, LinkedIn is a great source for this type of stuff. Mm. You can search directly through there to find people who are in your field. I have a lot of people that reach out to me through that. I do find that most of it is very spammy, but I think it is a tool and a resource that was built for specifically this question. Um, I've never been uh, focused on using it as an efficient tool, but I I do know that people do do that. I, I would lean back on the first response, which is just growing a network of people through work. So like take a job in the field and meet people. You're going to meet higher up people. You're going to meet people at your level. You're going to meet people in between. And all those people are going to be great contacts to have once you start your own business. I think that's so smart. What about mental failures? How to mentally deal with failures? I read that wrong. You mean like crying on an airplane? Or <laughs> I sick. usually use a tissue. <laughs> I think kind of what we were saying before of our airing, like say that you made a mistake say that I made a mistake. Both yeah. of us made a mistake in our businesses. Yeah. How do we deal with that in order to move forward and not ruminate on that or kind of stop? Because like as a business owner, if you mess up, you can't stop. I remember I was making a, I was making some merch and it wasn't my fault, but somebody on- Of course not, by the way. <laughs> of course not. Hey, I would say if it was my fault. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> somebody had messed up at the production house and made like a $60,000 mistake. And I don't even know this person, but I was so scared for them. Yeah. Like if that happened in your business and you're the leader and someone makes a $60,000 mistake, it's not your fault, but how do you deal with that? Uh, Do I, uh, sorry. So this $60,000 mistake is working for me. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's, it's a tough call. It depends on what you're doing and how critical $60,000 is to your business. If you're making $100,000 a year and that's a $60,000 problem, that's a, uh, I mean, that'd be a huge, I would, yeah. I would actually, here's the thing. It's a huge mistake. It's probably going to cost you to a certain extent, something you can't recover business wise. But I would think that if you're, if $60,000 is making up 60% of your business and you weren't helping them along mm-hmm. the way, like as the person running the business, it's ultimately my fault for not helping them not make that mistake. Right. So uh, it puts you in a pretty tough spot, but I think you really have to 
to just explore what the mistake was and figure out how to make sure that it never happens again. doesn't matter if you're firing that person and bringing somebody else on. Like, what can you do to put up, uh, I guess, walls or boundaries to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yeah, I think having kind of a go-to set of protocol for anything, whether that's how to recover from a $60,000 mistake or how to talk to a specific client or how to, like, we've all seen The Office, right? When they call for the paper, you know, they've got, like, <laughs> don't. What's, what's the show? Is it a TV show? Stop. It's on Netflix? Or? Stop this. I don't even want to go down the hole. You know what? Forget it. <laughs> I think. Oh, it's a movie? Any telemarketers have a, a list of responses, right? When when the person's like, hey, I don't want this. They're told to not let you go. Uh-huh. And they have to keep on talking. That's one of their rules. Right. I think having specific rules and kind of go-to Uh, ways of thinking and doing things is really helpful when you have even a small team. Like we, my team has a guide of everything that goes on, like how to, how to push out a podcast, how to edit a a YouTube video, how to do a thumbnail, how to talk to people in order to get them on the podcast. We have a lot going on in order to, to run the business. I think setting stuff up like that as fail safes, if you make a mistake or even if you don't, just how to run the business is really helpful for for a business owner. Of course. Yeah. And if the mistakes, if the mistake that was made is a, is one that is like detrimental to the business, it's the business owner's fault. It's not that employee's fault because they didn't create the guide rails to help them not make that mistake. So it really depends on the size of the business and what like the, like if it's a $60,000 mistake, but you make a billion dollars a year, like Amazon has more than $60,000 worth of product returns mm-hmm. in a year. All and it doesn't, me. <laughs> I, it's too it was much. the merch. You just shipped it back. <laughs> Return these sweatshirts to Amazon, please, and give me a store credit. And they probably would because their business is so big. But what I mean is, like, if it, you just, I think we agree here is like the guide rails are really important. And then ultimately, it's the business decision maker's responsibility to implement those rules. So I don't really, in this case, I don't, I don't feel as bad for the employee as I do for the business because they mm-hmm. just, they messed up. They messed up, man. But people make mistakes. Let's talk about your mistakes. I've never made a mistake. Is that true? <laughs> people make mistakes. I don't make mistakes. That's right. Okay. Yeah. You're the uh, you're the anomaly. You're the exclusion to the rule. Yes. See example A, which is headgum. Perfect. Perfect. Top to bottom. I <laughs> top to bottom. I was on my way here. I was thinking about a mistake that I had made with a friend that I was like, we should go to do one of these. Uh, sensory deprivation tanks. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's totally do that. And then I've never followed up. And now I feel like a bad person because what if that person remembers and then I'm just a flake? Of course they remember. You think so? Yeah, but we all know you're a flake. Okay. <laughs> you know, it was me. <laughs> I went to the tank. Don't worry about it. That's good. I'm feeling that's refreshed. Good. <laughs> this is a good time for us to take a break while Marty gives us an extra piece of advice you could find at Just a Tip Podcast on Instagram. And we will be right back. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery 
starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Questions? Ready? I'm always ready. And we are back. We won't talk about your mistakes, but we will talk about other people's. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about anybody's mistakes, including mine. They're very limited. Uh, Our next question comes from T underscore J Blaze. And this is a fun business question because it's not really about entrepreneur business. It's about the other business. Like, (laughs) not not number two. Going to the bathroom. (laughs) Why are we thinking the same thing but nobody wants to say it? (laughs) Their question is, how do you make people mind their own businesses? (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's like a slant business question, but it's a fun one. Yeah, no, it is. It's like on categories when right, you do yeah, something yeah. a little slant. Right. How do you describe business without using business? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, like, what if someone's too nosy? How do you get them to to stop being all up in your grill? Well, this is a great question. I mean, uh, how important is this person to you? Is the real question. Like, uh, you could walk away, <laughs> but but I do I do get it. Like, there are times when you can't walk away. You feel like maybe you're talking to somebody who you're trying to develop a business with, and they're mm. being very um, nosy into specifics of your uh, the way that you operate that you don't want to disclose. The one thing that I've relied on throughout my career is this idea that. That's just information that I don't know, and I'll have to get back to you and dig dig a little deeper. It, like even if I know the answer, right? Because mm. I'm just saying there are certain things that I don't feel comfortable or I'm not knowledgeable enough about that I want to disclose to you at this point. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way to tell them to go kick rocks in a nice way. You know, there's like a meme that's like, per my last email, and it's like bitchy business right. talk. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I, but that's not, that's who's, no one's being nosy there. There's someone just not paying attention. Yeah. Like if somebody's like digging into you to under, like ask you questions that you don't feel like talking about, I think it's just a, the most polite way to side skirt it is just to be like, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question, but I can get back to you. I feel like I've gotten an email like that from you. Of course you have. <laughs> It's harder to say in an email, like, I don't know, I'll get back to you because you should have just done the research instead of emailing me that response. But I definitely do it in person more. Love it. Yeah. L.TNG asks, what are some things you wish you knew before starting a business? Thank you in advance. That's a great question. I'll have to get back to you. Oh, my God. (laughs) What are some things I wish I knew before starting a business? I mean. That you're going to make a lot of mistakes. I, I mean, but is that not—everyone should know that, right? I mean, I, I really—I feel like 
it's really important to know that you're going to and then understand how you're going to deal with them. So mm. you just don't you just don't know how much goes into running a business before starting a business. Right. And all those areas that you didn't think about are all the areas that you make mistakes in because you have no experience doing them. So it's really important to have a just a mindset that you're going to deal with those in advance. Yeah. I think what I wish I knew, one of the things I wish I knew is, I mean, yeah, it is like how much work it really is, especially if you're doing it alone. I think it, I wish I knew that how much it would seep into every aspect of my life and kind of be super time consuming. So if you, if you don't want it with everything, then that's going to be an issue because it's going to end up being your everything. I think that I, I also wish I knew that things aren't personal, that our business. That is that is one of the errors and that you really, yeah, that's like one of the main initial trial and errors that happens through any business, I think, especially when the team is really small, which is I was, which I was alluding to earlier is just this idea that when it's small, it feels more like a friend group. And it can't because you are trying to grow and run a business. It really needs to feel like a business. And as you add more pieces, personnel in this case, it grows to a place where it feels like more of a business. And then uh, people don't feel as personally responsible for the decisions that are getting made, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Okay, what else? I feel like there's There's one thing that I wish I knew before starting it is that – that I would have to be super patient because there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but you don't see, you don't get to reap the rewards of the effort um, for longer than Mm -hmm. I think people think. And that's just our culture, right? Like we think that in everything we do, but it applies specifically to building a business. Like think about all the most, the biggest businesses around, like they've been around for so, so long. And we hear stories about how the overnight success of Snapchat or Facebook and these things. And sure, these there are these one-off things that grow really, really fast, but most businesses take a long time to grow and they take a lot of attention and care to grow them. Um, so I think it's re- being cognizant. The one thing that I would want to communicate to people is like, you, this does take a lot of work and it takes, a, it takes even more time. Right. So, so hang in there. Hang in there. The mm-hmm. day you plant the seed is not the day you reap the fruit. Mm, unless you're Adam from Snapchat. All right. Is that his name? Who? Tom from MySpace? No. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Okay. I'm older than you, right? (laughs) Fun question here. Yoshi.8080. How do you differentiate your business from others in the same field? That's a fun question because I feel like there's so much content right now in uh, respectively the the YouTube space and the podcast space that how do you... How do you give someone something that isn't already given somewhere else? This is the most important thing to define, I think, before starting your business. And I know that we both work in very cluttered spaces that feels like there are a hundred other people doing something so similar to what we're doing. The truth of the matter is no one's doing exactly what we do. And Mm -hmm. that's what makes us be able to flourish in our space. We wanted especially in podcasting, this is really, or in any kind of content creation, like you're saying, it's really difficult. But we wanted to carve out a niche where we were bringing in people from outside of podcasting and having them bring their audience from outside of podcasting into podcasting, specifically 
tangentially related to comedy. And then also another layer of, layer of specificity um, where we are trying to reach millennials and younger. So we mm. felt like that space wasn't as addressed in podcasting uh, as older generations, NPR, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of what we've been hyper-focused on. Yeah. Find your niche and blow it up. <laughs> but the question is super, it, it is one of the more important questions I think into starting a business is like, what do I, what value am I bringing to the table here? Mm-hmm. Like you, it just, you can't start a, well, what's like, what's a good example? Cause you, you, What's something that exists? Uh, like, What's something that exists? Like an online grocery Cheetos. store is going to be a hard thing to An online start. grocery but store? how about an online snack service that brings snacks directly to an office place? I feel like that is something that we explored recently, and that was something that I felt was very underwhelming of a category um, as I explored it further. So, like, I, I think that it's just finding that niche within whatever space you're thinking about and understanding what you bring to the table is really important. Yeah. I also think that specifically for me, when I first started YouTube, I was watching, I think maybe one person and I thought they were the bee's knees. I thought they were everything and I wanted to be just like them. And so when I started making videos, subconsciously that was seeping through all of my comedy. That was seeping through everything that I was saying and kind of my thought process. And then I was like, well, if if I'm trying to be like this other person, people can just go watch that other person. What can I do? How what What's already inherently me that nobody else has? And then just highlight that. I think when you're starting a business, knowing exactly what you said, what your value is, what makes you unique, and then a better way than exploiting, but like whatever that is, then just illuminate that and use that as the underpinning for whatever you're about to do. I think that that is creating the foundation where you can just soar from and build on top of. Without that, nothing would work. No, that's correct. I mean, you really do need to figure out, and it's important to be influenced and, uh, I guess, ha- be influenced by other people who excite you, right? Like have a passion for what you believe in and what you're excited about, and then take that and make it your own. Oh, this is from the same person. Two of these are from the same person. Okay. The next question, Tiffany L. 102. How do you balance work and family and friends while being your own boss? Well, luckily, I don't have a family. <laughs> Because, because I don't know how I would boss. do this if I had a family. <laughs> there is no balance. <laughs> Forget everything I said. <laughs> I live here. I work here. This is my family. Yeah. The iMac, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> my iPhone Pro, my, my son. <laughs> and my dog, dead to me. <laughs> Dot com. Uh, I... Repeat the question again because I think it's important to answer it very specifically because it is an important question. How do you balance work and family and friends while being your own boss? Basically, how do you have a work life and a home life? Yeah, I mean, we. I think that there are a lot of technologies that have come into place in in entrepreneurship that have helped entrepreneurs accomplish exactly what this question is talking about. Like so I think what tools like Slack, tools like. Uh, I mean, anything on your phone, but really like the the different email applications, the way to silence those, the way to, I, everything has, there are so many more people doing what we do now that there are a need for tools to accomplish this work-life balance. And you'll see every single app 
not every single app, but there are so many more and more apps that are coming out. Like even Calm is an example, right? Like this meditation app, like all these things exist because people are always on the go. It's not just entrepreneurs anymore, but these tools are really important resources for entrepreneurs to help them work-life balance, which uh, for me personally, um, doesn't really exist. Like I, but that is because I don't have a family. Like I am on a very much on my own doing this. So, um, I don't need or don't feel the need to do it as much. Uh, I know that you're in a very similar place cause we talk about it a lot, but the, uh, use the tools and the resources that are available to you and establish those boundaries ahead of time and know what you want out of them. Um, for me, that feels like they're a little more diluted because I don't necessarily want them to be more strict. But if you did want them to be more strict, there are so many resources to allow you to do that. Use Slack. Put yourself in Do Not Disturb on those hours that you want to break. Uh, use the meditation apps for the allotted hours that you want per day. Um, spend time with your family, please. <laughs> <laughs> for you, that's just more technology. For me, it's, uh, I don't know, walking the dog an extra minute a day or something. But I I, I do think it is, it is important um, to recognize what you want out of the balance first and then do some exploration and find the tools you need to make sure that you're realizing those goals. Yeah, I think setting time aside is really important. When I first started running this like a business, my my, my manager had told me uh, that like uh, he was like a normal full-time job is 40 hours a week. If you're not working 40 hours on your YouTube channel, then it is not a career or something like that. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting way of putting it. And when I wrote down how many hours I was like editing and ideating and actually filming it, I, it was some weeks it would be, 60 and some weeks it would be 15 and it was like oh my schedule is all over the place because no one's telling me what to do so then I started implementing a a way of figuring out how to make it work and balance and I took the nine to five model and now I work 10 to six and sometimes it's it's hard because as a creative sometimes creativity is not clocking in at 12 p.m. You know, it's hitting you at three in the morning. And so I think at least having some parameters to work, if you're your own boss and kind of holding you to that that time limit allows you to just do the work at that point in time. And then when you clock out, and I always say this, then clock into your life because that's also work too. Right. But I think I think having a time is, I think, my main tip. Yeah, the time is super important. Carving it out, knowing what it is in advance and plotting it. I, For me, you know, the more I think about it, like obviously I like to pretend like I don't have that kind of time. But I, for me, it, it's a lot of basketball and other things that I do enjoy outside of work that I just make sure that I have scheduled on my calendar every week. Yeah. On a scale from 1 to 10, how good are you at basketball? 12. No. Wow. I, uh I play a lot. I don't know. What's a, what's a, is a 10 an NBA athlete or is an NBA athlete like a 20 on this scale? Like a, a, this is like a regular person. How good am I on a regular person scale or how good I am I like if 10 is NBA and one is uh, like um, somebody who's never played before? Probably that. That scale? Probably yeah. like a six then. Wow, I feel like that's pretty I'm, good. I'm above average, maybe a seven I'd like to say, but I'm not – like, what are the eights and the nines now? Are those, like, college basketball players? Because I didn't play in college. I mean, I ran in college. I am a Division One athlete. <laughs> Did I bring that up last pod? I'd like to make sure that people know that I was a Division One athlete, which is great for leadership, uh-huh. by the way. Of course. 
And yes, it was track and field. And why, yes, it was cross country. Yes, I was a three season athlete. What was cross your country, name? Indoor Fastest and outdoor track. in the biz? What is it? Run it fast. Oh, sure. Yeah, where do you think that comes from? <laughs> Experience. Speaking, trial and error. Speaking of teamwork, because basically. Making the dream work. Like basketball teams, you know, mm-hmm. you see where I'm getting. Yeah, you've played before. Sure. You get it. <laughs> I've cheered for basketball. You're a two on the basketball scale. Mm-hmm. Like you've picked up a basketball before. Mm-hmm. That makes you an automatic two, I think. Because I think a one. Or is it like a zero an option two? I can play horse and not lose. So there you go. You, may, you might even be a two and a half. Nice. Yeah. I'm also an LA two and a half. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what's a good what's a good teamwork exercise for if you have a small team or a big team? What are some fun things to do with your team to to bond? Uh well we Last at the end of last year, we went to a like escape room ish type adult arcade, which was fun. Where is that? Uh, and how come I was invited? Circus. Well, you technically you're not an employee. Well, so that headgum employs me. <laughs> well, not really. That's the point. <laughs> we don't. Okay. We, we you know. We do a little we, handshake yeah, and a we, jig, <laughs> and we call it a day. You're more of a contracted employee. We you know we have a relation, a working relationship that exists, and. Uh, but our, we take our employees to go do stuff sometimes and mm-hmm. we went and, um, did this. Well, you love escape rooms. You That's must right. talk about them all the time on this podcast. That's why I'm mad. Yeah. Uh, this was more of like, I think it was Star Trek themed and like you had to man battle stations and like prepare for different things that were happening and work together to make sure you're solving them. So it was like escape room ish. Okay. But, uh. It wasn't like find the key and then insert the key over here and follow this clue. It was like, all right. <laughs> You're making I the escape rooms feel really bad. Yeah. I've never it done one. I just assume. you never done one? You, do you know that I um, I am terrified of things I've never done, which is really – that's probably like my biggest flaw is that I uh, feel very uncomfortable in situations in which I have no experience. Sure. Which has been really fun being an entrepreneur because yeah, you're put in those situations all the time. Place. No, but it's been, it's been a good exercise for me. Right. But that is probably like the one thing that terrifies me the most. So like an escape room, for instance, if I ever did one, I'd be like the king of escape rooms afterwards because I would feel so experienced. But jumping over that barrier to actually do one is uh, a very – like gives me a lot of social anxiety. Whoa. Yeah. How was your first kiss? (laughs) I'll let you know. (laughs) The next question comes from Dang SM, which I think is a great question. They ask how to weed out potential hires that won't vibe with your current team. Any warning signs? Yeah, we, so I worked. This is this is why it's so important to have jobs before you start your own business. In my from my personal perspective, because I had a job once where part of the interview process was like actually like a social experiment. Whoa. I don't know if they used the word experiment, but it was basically like come to the X location with the team and hang out for an evening before uh, it's, it's just like part of the interview process. So Whoa. after you go through the actual interview process, which for this specific job was literally probably six hours, including a presentation and you'd meet several members of the team. 
it was a very, very comprehensive interview process. And then after that, if they liked you and they wanted to hire you, you would do the social component of it. And that involved, for me, I think it was just like going meeting them at a bar and having a, a beer. Now, I understand wow. this is also 10 years ago. And so social norms are changing around this stuff and certain, like this is probably a difficult ask at this day and age. Right. So I would pick something different than going to a bar, but it did allow not only me, but then all of the future hires at that company to really make sure that we had some sort of familiarity with each other that allowed us to have a good working relationship on top of um, just being around each other all the time. And that, that job specifically uh, was probably the one where I learned the most and have been able to implement as much of the learnings there to what I do now. So I think like without that, I would be a much more, I'd be a much I'd be in a much different situation starting my own business. It'd be a lot harder for me. Yeah. That's really cool. To I've never thought about that before. Have you ever heard that one story that's like a guy goes to dinner with uh, his potential boss and the boss goes to the steakhouse all the time and they order two steaks. And depending on if the the client or like the the potential hire puts anything on the steak before eating it, doesn't get the job because he's thinking that he's already going to, the hire is thinking he's going to put whatever he thinks is right for the steak on it before even figuring out what the steak is, what it has, what it tastes like to see if it's already good enough. So this feels more like an interview thing rather than like a social thing because you're judging the person's behavior, like you're basically judging them on a strict set of guidelines, like almost like a uh, test rather than getting to know them. Yeah. So this was... For me, that would be, it feels more of like the interview bucket rather than the social bucket because the social bucket should be more about relaxing and like getting to know that person in a social setting um, rather than uh, testing them on certain aspects. But isn't that a fun little... I don't even really get it. Like, I feel like that's such a weird thing to test somebody on. Like, well, it's like, it, metaphorically, if that person comes into business with, with the boss and is saying, hey, I know better. I'm taking all of my previous beliefs and putting it on your steak, a.k.a. business, and I'm changing everything versus saying, hey, is this steak business good enough the way it is? How can I add to it? Maybe it doesn't need sauce. Maybe like a little cup of water would be nice. Yeah, put a cup of water on your steak. <laughs> Not on it, you fool. Oh, right, of course. Sorry, did I get hired? <laughs> yep, you start tomorrow. I love whiskey. Let's drink. <laughs> I think I will say when I was hiring, when I hire anyone, when, I, when I'm trying to interview anyone, I... Obviously, the resume will, will show if they can do the job or not. And the skill set will follow. The thing that's hard, especially in this, in my world, is people have to know my voice and like what the brand is about in order to help facilitate and, and, and get it out the way that it should be. And I'm such a perfectionist that it took me forever to trust someone. But I think what was more, because skills can be taught for the most part, right? Especially if you do something very in a fastidious particular way, then you go, here's how to do it as long as they have like the the rudimentary tools or the knowledge of whatever they're getting hired for. But what I like to do when I'm interviewing people is ask them questions that have nothing to do with work, which I think is probably like the social component. But I'll ask questions that's like, on a Thursday night, what are you doing? Like walk me through a night. Or if you... 
I don't know, just like anything off the wall that is not business related, just so I can see what type of person they are if we would mesh. Because you are in close quarters, especially with a small business. Like for me, there's only three people working in my office, including me. And that's very, that's very close. So if you don't get along with people or if if your personalities don't mesh or complement each other and they're clashing, then no one's going to want to come to work and then it's going to affect the work. It's going to affect the relationship. And I'm such an energy person where if, if something is off, I'm having a bad time. Right. No, I agree. And it's fun. One of the things that from that six hour interview process that I was talking about before, different people from different aspects of the business would interview. It didn't matter what a job you were applying for. So for me, it was obviously a sales job, not obviously, but that's what I was doing at the time. So, but I was interviewing with like, an engineer, not even like a lead engineer, just like an engineer, uh, a person on the product team, a person on the sales team. And then each of them, what they would do is they had like, so it was six different one hour interviews. And each one of them had a specific category that they were drilling down into. And one of them is personality, but they draw those packets of six randomly. Mm. So like, obviously the salesperson is going to have specific things for your job position that they're asking, but the rest of them, it's all different categories they're asking from. And then they don't even know in advance which category they're getting to ask you about. So it, it makes it kind of like everyone is exploring new territory every time. It was, it's really interesting. There are a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of cool things you can do. Now, do I implement any of those in hiring people here? Uh, Not so much because we didn't, it takes a lot of bandwidth to be able to do that, but it is a great way to learn about people before. Um, yeah. And a lot of our hires have been through personal relationships too. So it's been a little easier to develop that out um, and know in advance what what you're getting before the interview process. What if you really wanted a job and they were like, okay, you killed it on the interview portion. Now you have to play one round of Monopoly not Speed Monopoly, normal Monopoly. Wow, I would like to know more about Speed Monopoly. You never played Speed Monopoly? No, what's the rule change? It's just 15 minutes. <laughs> whoever oh, so it's wins like whoever wins 15, 15 Oh, interesting, okay. I love Monopoly. But it sometimes it could last for days. Yeah, um, not the way I play, but yeah, wow. sure. Yeah, well. Monopoly Go, is that the new one? Like the, the card Monopoly game? I haven't seen that either. Monopoly Deal. Mm, I don't know. That's a really fun game, everyone. I I would love to try. That's my ending tip for business is get Monopoly deal. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any closing tips on business that just any piece of advice that like someone told you when you were a young entrepreneur, even now that that stays with you, like any kind of motto or word to live by? Well, I I think it's very relevant to what we're just talking about. I think it's really important to surround yourself with people you trust and know like you trust in them to deliver and perform on the vision that you've created to for your business and that is like critical and i will say that uh as my own closing statement the people that we have here at headgum everyone uh has is doing a phenomenal job at what they do and i i mean honestly like i'm so lucky to be surrounded by those people so uh my tip is to make sure you get those same quality and caliber people working alongside you as well. Yeah, I like that. And get cold brew on tap, which you guys have, which I think is a really nice addition to any office. Correct. (laughs) Which is sad because I don't have it for my employees. I'm so sorry. Uh, We'll figure it out. Well, no, my assistants don't drink coffee anyway, so (laughs) we're fine. Oh, I was just talking about the cold brew. We have people that work here? It's my best employee. Two taps. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my God, that's your father. Marty, yeah. thank you for being here and helping me answer questions about business. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, I mean, on Instagram, it's Kid Marty. Uh, but, you know, make sure you check out all the other podcasts we have. We're always growing and creating more. We also just launched Gumball, which <gasps> is an ad tech platform that allows you to buy ads directly on podcasts just like this one <gasps> without having to talk to a salesperson like me. So after <laughs> shutting this podcast off halfway through and never hearing this announcement, you could have <laughs> bypassed me completely and bought an ad on just a tip. <laughs> if you have a sticky situation or burning concern, call us at 805-751-9071. You give us your age and we will do the best we can. We'll see you next week on Just a Tip. Bye. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>